Moments of Encounter is a weekly live broadcast brought to you by Calvary We Revival Labors through God's servant Chidebele Odeze. The teachings are focused on building the church and raising men that will do exploits in this end time. You can connect live to Moments of Encounter every Tuesday by 6 p.m. West African time at www.mixlr.com forward slash Moments of Encounter. May you have a life-changing encounter as you listen. God bless you. for this opportunity for an encounter with you tonight as many of us that have gathered or connected online we ask for a definite encounter with you tonight we ask that our hearts Lord be prepared to receive your word of life and by the reason of this word grant that we will have testimonies of transformation of life and the miracles of life coming from you to attend to various aspects of our life both spiritually and physically holy ghost we welcome you come in your fullness in your power come and manifest yourself come and, and reveal jesus come and manifest him to us so that by the end of this meeting tonight we will have every cause to glorify god who has made it possible for us to be part of it in jesus mighty name we pray amen, amen. You're welcome. Take your seat. We are looking at very, very important topic tonight. Still on our team, the Christian stewardship. We are looking at the stewardship of our time. We looked at the stewardship of our bodies last week, and we saw that we are not the owner owners of our bodies the Lord bought he bought us with the price of his own blood and because he bought us we belong to him and the truth is that he that owns us owns everything owns our time our 24 hours in a day belong to him because he is one that owns us, he has bought us and you know he is living in us. Galatians 2.20 said, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in this body that he has bought. He lives there. So, we must acknowledge the fact that it is not we that owns 
our body or our time. It belongs to Him. Some people talk about talk about giving God tithe of their time, but uh, well, I don't think if I'm owner of hundred percent, I will accept ten percent from you. God is the owner of twenty-four hours. If you want to give Him tithe of your time, that's okay with you. But the truth is that we are to give Him our twenty-four hours. Everything we do in 24 hours must be under his own you know direction, must be what he wants. If you read Luke chapter 1, verse 74 and 75, he said that he has delivered us from the hands of our enemies. God has delivered us from the hands of our enemies, so that we will serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him All the days of our life Look at that scripture He delivered us From the hand of our enemies Who are our enemies? Satan is number one Then flesh, the world system He has delivered us through the salvation He granted unto us By the death of his son Jesus Now what is the purpose of that deliverance? He said that we will serve him that we will serve him he bought us that we will be his servants when a man in the olden days buys another woman being as a slave that woman being becomes his own he is you know the, is like a property and that property that is a human being all his time belongs to you you can ask him to do anything for you anytime because you are the one that owns that property. That's how we are. And the reason is stated in that scripture. He said that we will serve him. We will serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. All the days of our life. That is to say from that period he delivered us the rest of our life because when he has not delivered us you cannot count it in the days of the service it is let's say you lived 20 years in sin under the captivity of Satan and the world system and the flesh and then at the age of 20 he delivered you you became saved it is expected that from that 20 years till the rest of your life all the days of your life if you are to live the rest, uh, maybe 80 more years, assuming that your own number of years is 100, from that 20 years till the 108, the plan of God, who is now the owner of your life and time, is that you are going to serve him for that 80 years. All the days. And when you break days, you will get hours. When you break hours, you will, great, you will get um, minutes, from minutes to seconds. So we are meant to serve him because he is the owner of our life, of our time. All the days of our life. In Luke's system, which is our main text in Christian stewardship, that uh, Jesus was talking to the disciples concerning the parable of the unjust steward. He said, a certain rich man has a steward. 
and it was accused about him unto him that he has wasted his resources. And then he called the young man and said, Come, you will no longer be a steward. Give an account. Now, we saw that the Lord has demanded that we must be faithful stewards. First Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2 showed us that the one and only requirement from every steward is faithfulness. Say so moreover, it is required of every steward that a man be found faithful. Now, the wastage of the goods, of the resources of the certain rich man in that parable in Luke 16 is actually the unfaithfulness of the steward. He began to waste his master's um, goods. And we saw in the last uh, message two weeks ago when we are introducing the team, the Christian stewardship, we saw that to waste something is either you are not using it so the thing is lying waste or you are using it wrongly, you are abusing it or you are underutilizing it. And so when we are talking about unfaithfulness with respect to time, the use of time, you know, as we are looking at the stewardship of our time today, you are referring to when you are not using time, you are allowing time to pass idly. You are doing nothing with time. That is unfaithfulness. You are not a faithful steward of the lost time that he has given to you. God is not, you know, ex expecting that we should allow time to just pass. And many of us, we are victim of that. Sometimes you just sit down. In fact, sometimes we even say it in our language. What will I be using to pass time? Eh? Let me just stroll. And then say, let's be passing time as we are strolling. What are we going to be doing as we are passing time? You know, is an unfaithfulness for a Christian who has been delivered to serve God with time, to allow time to pass idly. It's a wastage. Then number two, when you are using the time of the Lord, which is your, the time now in your custody, outside what he wanted for. That's an abuse. When the time that you are supposed to use to do something for the Lord is being used for another thing. As long as you are outside the purpose and the will of God, doing anything at all is an unfaithfulness, is a wastage of God's time that he has given to us. And then, when you also use much time to do something that you could have done with lesser time. Eh? You are supposed to finish a Christian literature in three days, but you took three months. That's waste of time. To be faithful steward of the lost time that is in our course study, please, I want to repeat that the concept of let's give God tithe of our time does not exist when you understand what stewardship is all about. And again, I think it's a wrong understanding of what spirituality is all about that makes us to think that when you are not doing something that is religious with time, that you are not pleasing God. 
The truth is that when we understand what it means to be at the center of the will of God at every point in time, then you know that every activity, some of us, what we believe is that it is when we are doing our quiet time and we are praying and we are reading the Bible that we are, you know, spiritual. We are doing, you know, we are using our time good for God. No. No. If you are doing your quiet time and the Lord wants you to watch cloth, eh? at that time, you are not spiritual. Maybe you are supposed to do your quiet time 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and then you did it by 9, 9 a.m. in the morning when other people are busy with the activity you are doing quiet time. So these are the kind of things that when we begin to get into, it means that, number one, we are wasting the lost time. You are doing something, but it is a waste of the lost time. So we say any time spent outside the will of God is a lost time. We must be diligent to find out exactly what God wants us to do with every second of our lives and use it for it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 and 15 is worthy of reading with respect to what we are explaining. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we are all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. That we should not live for ourselves anymore. What does it mean to live for Jesus? To live for Jesus is to use every second, every minute, every hour of our life to do what is pleasing to him. The same thing was repeated in Romans chapter 14. Look at Romans chapter 14. Verse 7 said, Whether we live, we live to the Lord. Whether we die, Look at it, verse 7. For none of us live to himself, and no man die to himself. Verse 8. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or we die, we are the lost. We belong to the Lord. That's, we, we, he, we are living to please him. He is the one that, you know, we are living for. Everything we are doing is for him. If you are still living for yourself, you still have an ambition to pursue for your own self, then you will not understand what we are talking about, being the steward of the lost time. It's not your time, it's his time. The time is not our time. Because we are not the owner of ourselves, he owns us. Because he owns us, he owns our time. So you don't say, eh, what am I going to use my time to do during these holidays? Is not your time. That language is wrong. The time is his time. The consciousness must be in you to understand that the time that we have is not our time. You are not permitted to use it the way you like because it belongs to him. We are to live for him that died for us and rose again. And to live for the Lord means to use this time that he has given to us to do what he wants. Once the time that you are using now is not what he wants you to use it to do that you are doing then that's an unfaithfulness a manifestation of an unfaithfulness now why do we need to pursue to be faithful stewards of the lost time in our custody number one 
We cannot fulfill the purpose of God for our life if we are not faithful stewards of his time in our custody. Joshua, in Joshua 13, you know, God came to him when he was old and said, you are old. And there remained much land to possess. If you read chapter 12 of the same Joshua, you will notice that he stopped to celebrate that one kings that he has conquered. Eh? They were just rejoicing. When you are reading it, the king of this, they killed that one of them. And I guess that there is a large gap between Joshua chapter 12 and Joshua chapter 13. Because when you get to Joshua chapter 13, you see where God was telling Joshua, you are old. And there remained very much land to possess. And now you are too old to do that. I wanted you to do that in your lifetime. But you can't do that. You are using your time to rest and to do other things which are not in my agenda for your life. Now, divide the unconquered land for the children of Israel. And you see, when you read the book of Judges, you notice that many of them never ever conquered their own land. But if Joshua has, you know, fought for them, they would have conquered it. Amen. Again, in John chapter 17 verse 4, Jesus said, I have brought you glory on the earth by finishing the work you, you, you sent me to do. I have brought you glory on the earth. How did I do that? By finishing the work that you have given to me to do. So, Jesus finished in his lifetime what the Lord wanted him to do. That is to say, he was a faithful steward of the time that he has. Now, again, if you read 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have finished. Remember that he didn't start early. Do you remember? He was persecuting the church and all of that. But from the moment he was delivered from the hands of the enemies, from that day, he numbered his, his, the days of his life and said, every day that is remaining, I will serve him in holiness, in righteousness, without fear, before him, all these remaining days. And he set out. He never allowed any kind of distraction and he was able to finish. These are people that are good stewards of the Lord's time in their custody. And so for us to be able to fulfill the purpose of God for our own life in our lifetime. In our lifetime. Some people die without even knowing it. Eh? Some die without fulfilling it. The young man that went to heaven from the cross, he died and went to heaven. But he, he, he never, you know, ever touched the reason why he was born. Because I'm sure he was not born to stay. Yes, there is a reason why he was born. Just like Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, 4 to 8, God said to Jeremiah, before you were conceived, I know you. While you were in your mother's womb, I ordained what you are going to be as you are going to be born. There is a reason you are coming to the earth. That is to be a prophet to the nations. It differs from person to person. You yourself, for you to be able to fulfill your own in your lifetime, one of the things that you must take proper note of and begin to do that from today if you are not doing that 
is to be a faithful steward of the time that is before you. The time of the Lord in your custody. Another reason why we must, you know, be faithful stewards of the Lord's time is because the time of the Lord in our hand is perishable, is fleeting. That's, you know, when you read Psalm 39, look at Psalm 39 verse 4 to 6. Time is, is going. Even when your clock, when your own clock stops working, time has not stopped working. I hope you remember. He doesn't wait for your clock. He's always going. That's why sometimes you see somebody say, Hey, I didn't know when, you know, it was 6 o'clock. Because he was thinking that as he's discussing and gossiping, that time will be waiting for him. Then only to discover that when, before you finish talking and all of that, you notice that time keep going. As you are talking, it's going. As you are sleeping, it's going. When you wake up, it's going. As you are still wasting time, as you are stretching yourself, it's going. Time is always going. If you understand that time is always on the move, it doesn't stop, then you must catch it with every second to ensure that something the Lord wants you to be done at that time is discovered and, and is done. Psalm 39 verse 4 to 6 says, Lord, make me to know my end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. I want to know my end. I want to know the number of my days that are remaining. This is a passionate prayer. Because some of us, you don't understand that you are getting old. Until you get old. And you can't do anything. Make me to know my end. And the measure of my days. What it is. What is the measure of my days? The days that are remaining, what is it? He says, so that I will know how frail I am. And then he said, behold, you have made my days as a handbreadth, and my age is as nothing before you. Verily, every man at his best stage is altogether vanity. Psalm 90 verse 12. Psalm 90 verse 12, he said almost the same thing. He said, so teach us to number our days. That we may apply our heart unto wisdom. Teach us to number our days, not to count. That's the difference between counting and numbering. When you count, you just try to know the number of days you have. But when you number your days, you come to know that each season, each time, each day, each month, each year has a specific tag around it. Amen. So, when we come to understand how short the remaining time is, I think we also need to read 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Run to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. That one made it so clear that the time is short. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 29 said, But this I say, brethren, the time is what? Is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy 
as though they possess not. And they that use this world as though abusing it. For the fashion of this world passes away. The time is short. And time is perishable. What, is, what does that mean? Once a second goes, it cannot be restored. You cannot recover any time that you have lost. It's not possible. Eh? If you waste a time, you know, doing something that is meaningless, doing something that is outside the will of God, you will never see that time again. It's lost forever. The next time you are going to see that time is before the judgment seat of Jesus to give account of how you use it. So you meet every time twice in time when you are supposed to maximize it to do what is pleasing to God and in eternity when you are supposed to give account of how you use it. Why do we need to be faithful stewards of the lost time in our custody? Because we are going to give account. I just mentioned it now. Romans 14 verse 12. What did he say? Romans 14 verse 12. I would like all of us to echo it together. One, two, go. So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. I don't know whether you know that. Eh? Let God be liar. Let men be liar. Let God be true. The word of God cannot be broken. Every one of us. What, what is the meaning of every one of us? Eh? Every one of us will give account of himself to God. I don't know whether you know that it is going to happen. One day, every one of us will give account of how you spend your time to God. When you are giving account of yourself, tell me. What else are you going to give account if not your time? How did you use the hours of yesterday, yesternight? Some of us are using our time to commit sin. Even as believers, you are going to give account of yourself, of how you use every time to God. That's one reason why we must be faithful. So that when the accounting time comes, we will be able to succeed, succeed and be rewarded. Why do we need to be faithful stewards of the lost time before us? Because the Lord is watching. He's watching to see how we are using the time. And if he discover that we are faithful with that which is least, he will give us that which is what? If you read Luke 16, uh, 10 to 12, he said, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful in that which is much. So when you are faithful with one second, he will count you faithful with one hour. And then he will also give you other things outside time that are big. But when you are wasting time because it is very small. You know, the way we allow seconds to go and then when several seconds has gone and entered into minutes, we now rose up to see if we can do something. We are just living as if we are the owner of our time. God is watching and Satan is also watching, the accuser of the brethren. 
Eh? The Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 that there were he- re- joy rejoicing in heaven. He said salvation, strength, kingdom of our God and his Christ has come to heaven because the accuser of our brethren that accused them day and night before God has been cast down. So the devil is one of his major work is to watch and accuse before God how you have wasted your time. Knowing that somebody is watching you, how you are using your time, you are supposed to be you know, faithful and maximize our time. Again, we also need to know that there are a cloud of witnesses that are watching. According to Hebrew chapter 12, verse um, Hebrew chapter 11, no, 12 verse 1, he said, Seeing we have great cloud of witnesses, Hebrew 12 verse 1, he said, We have great cloud of witnesses. These are people that have run the race before us, Paul and Co. Barnabas, Epaphras, men that maximize the seconds of their life in intercession, in preaching of the gospel, in you know, making tents and trying to please God at all costs. They are looking at us to see how we are using our own time in our own time. Again, why do we need to be faithful? Stewards of the lost time because of the relationship between time and eternity. Time is connected to eternity. In that you use the period you are in time to determine how your eternity will be. To determine your placement in eternity. We all know that whatever you are today is as a result of what you are yesterday. How you planned your yesterday is just true. Those that dropped from school in primary school, they don't end up working in the bank as, let's say, managers and all of that. No. When you, when you want to you know, get a future, you don't start planning for the future in the future. What you are doing with your time now determines what your future is going to be. Both eternal future and, you know, future in time. Whatever you see a man now, there are people that they they never took their education serious. There are people that went to learn trade, they never took what they are doing serious. They are suffering it now. That's how it is also in relation to eternity. What you, you do with your time now determines what will happen to you in eternity. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.10 said, We all will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We all. We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that we will receive what we have done in the body according to what we have done in the body. Whether it is good or bad. That is how you have used your time to do what you have done while you are in the body. You will receive according to the righteous judge will not give you more than what you have done according to the specification for your own life. So these are the reasons why we must be faithful stewards of the lost time in our custody. Remember, the time is not your time. Help me tell your neighbor. Maybe your neighbor will hear you better than myself. Tell him the time you have is not your time. Because you belong to the Lord, the time is the lost time. You have no right to use it the way you like. 
because it's not your own. Warn him, stop using the lost time for your own pleasure. Use the lost time for his pleasure. Say thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. Revelation 4.11 For thou hast created all things. They are, and we are created. For your pleasure. He created us for his pleasure. Unfortunately, we fell. He came back and redeemed us and brought us back for the same purpose, for his pleasure. There is a reason why he, he, he gave us life. In um, Second Corinthians, uh, Ephesians 2 verse 10, he said, We are recreated in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has ordained that we are going to do in our lifetime. So let's always remember that you are not the owner of your time. You don't say, I am tired. I cannot do this. If you are tired, can you ask the Lord to give you strength and he will give you strength? Is it possible? Let's always remember that the time belongs to him. Because sometimes you ask somebody, why is it that you are not doing your quiet time? You will tell you that I don't have time these days, so I'm in exam period. Or why is it that you say, ah, there are way things are now. I have not been able to go for personal set apart for how many months now? I, I'm just so busy. My work, my business. Eh, who is the owner of the time? Let's be careful. What are the practical ways of being faithful stewards of the lost time in our custody? Number one. Make no provision for the flesh. Any time spent in the flesh and with the flesh for the flesh is wasted. Romans chapter 13 verse 11 said, And that, I'm reading Romans 13 11, open to it. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the, in, in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in shambling and wantonness, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Why? Because any provision you make for the flesh is a waste of time. The works of the flesh are manifest. Galatians 5.19 the works of the flesh are manifest. Galatians 5.19 What are the works of the flesh? Anytime you make provision for the flesh, anytime you are not putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not walking in the spirit, the flesh must maximize that time, even if it is a second, to work out his works. The flesh is a very diligent fellow. 
that if you give him a second, he will work, work out something. Eh? Verse 16, before we read verse 19, says, This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the loss of the flesh. So another way of saying, put on the Lord Jesus Christ is, you know, walking in the spirit. When you are walking in the spirit, you are putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. When you are following the leading of the Holy Ghost, in everything you think, say or do, at every point in time, you are actually putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that is actually what defines the, Lord, the life of Jesus, why he was physically here on earth. Eh? He was led by the Spirit at all times. So, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ is to walk in the Spirit, to follow the leading, the direction of the Spirit of God at every point in time. And when we do that, he said, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The works of the flesh are manifest. When you make provision for the flesh, the flesh will work out his works. And what are his works? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seduction, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revealings, and such like. That was the man they uh, uh, called Noah in the Old Testament. The Bible said Noah walked with God. It was a very long years of walking with God in righteousness. When he finished building the ark in total obedience to the Lord's command, God said, come now and enter into this ark, you and your family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. That's Genesis chapter 8. What a commendation. But what happened when they came down from the ark. The Bible says Noah became, be, began to be careless. He just gave one day like that little provision for the flesh. This great man of God with great record of, you know, righteousness. Even God himself said, I have found you righteous. In obedience to God, he was able to save his own generation. But look at, he became, he, the Bible says he began to be a farmer, and then one day he became drunk, drunkenness. And in his drunkenness, he became the flesh began to walk. Just a little, a little space. All that a man of God has, you know, gathered for years, just a little space. Make no provision. You know why? Anytime you spend committing any sin is a wasted time. Because it is not the will of God for us to commit sin. We are to serve him. Remember that scripture, Luke 1. Do you remember that scripture? We are to serve him in holiness and righteousness all the days of our lives. In other words, any of the day, any of the hour, any of the minutes, second, spent in thinking evil, evil thoughts. Lost in your heart. Any of the days spent in anger, unforgiveness. Somebody did something against you and for days, those days, those months, those years are wasted. The number of years you spent carrying malice, bitterness against someone are wasted. They are not in the number because we are to serve him in holiness. In righteousness, all the days of our life, the remaining days of our life, 
are supposed to be for his service. Not anyhow, but in holiness and in righteousness. That is why we are not, we are, see, listen. You know, some of us think that the Holy Ghost will do everything for you. No. The Holy Ghost will lead you. The Holy Ghost will guide you. But most times, when we begin to fall into sin, it is our own decision, our own carelessness. He doesn't lead us into sin. He will wake you up to pray. Instead of you to wake up, you have woke up. Instead of you to rise up and pray, you will continue sleeping. And before you know it, you know, you will not do your quiet time for the day. You will not have any strength. The next thing you are falling into sin, wasted time. Any provision you give for the flesh, it will maximize it and work out sin. And that becomes a waste of time, a waste of days. And the longer you remain in that sin, excuse me, the longer you remain in that sin, the more the days are wasting. The more they are wasting. You know, some of us, I don't know how else, you know, it will be preached for us to take heed that a believer has nothing in common with an unbeliever. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 says, Do not be unequally yoked. Chapter 6 verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. He said, for what fellowship has light with darkness? Eh? What fellowship has a uh, temple of God with idols? He said, what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? That's the Bible. But you, a believer, you are still watching the films that are acted by unbelievers. Using whose time? I was illustrating it, illustrating it some, to some brethren. I said, we only have two spirits in the world. The Holy Spirit and the evil spirit. There's no, there's no other spirit. God created only two things. Man, two opposite things. Man, woman. Light, darkness. Rainy season, dry season. Only two things. If a woman gave birth and they say, what did he deliver? And they say, is he a boy? No. Is he a girl? No. Don't you think that there is a problem now? God created only two things. We all, if, listen, we have believers, unbelievers. Inside every unbeliever is evil spirit. It may be your mother, it may be your father, it may be your brothers, it may be your sister. I need to repeat it again so that if you want to do something for the salvation, for you to start doing something now. As long as a human being has not given his life to Christ and got genuinely born again, that person carries evil spirit in him. He's possessed with an evil spirit. Everyone that is a believer, true believer, has the Holy Spirit inside. And I said, an evil spirit will inspire somebody to write a script and act it out. And you that carry Holy Spirit will sit down and you are watching I have seen that everyone that is watching such kind of thing, or listen to, there is always a transfer of spirits. Eh? If you are watching pornography, the spirit of immorality must always transfer to you. If you are watching unbelievers act their film, maybe they are just acting their corny way, their lie, that spirit will also enter you. It may not be fornication, but that 
kind of, and that's why you, you will never be free from sin. You are making provision for the flesh by still trying to, you know, watch those things, trying to, listen, the Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision. Don't use your eye. Don't use your ear. Don't use your heart, your mind to make provision for the flesh. Because any little provision you make for the flesh, it will maximize it and work out. If it's not adultery, fornication, if it's not fornication, uncleanness, that's the flesh. Every sin is worked out by the flesh. How do we become faithful stewards of the lost time in our custody? Number two, discover the will of God always and do it. Ephesians chapter 5. Discover the will of God always and do it. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 said, see then that you walk circumspectly. You walk carefully. Not as fool but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. That's how to redeem the time. That's how to walk carefully. Not as fool, but as wise. Eh? And we have said that any time you are spending not doing the will of God, not finding out what God wants you to do, you know, we must always remember that sin is in two forms. Eh? When we say fornication, we say, hey, fornication, lying, hey, lying. These are do nots. Eh? What of the do's? Discovering the will of God at every point in time and doing it. That's how to be a faithful steward. The time you are using to watch that movie, is it what the Lord wants you to use that time to do at that time? To be a faithful steward of the lost time, we must always discover what the Lord wants every time to be used for. Jesus lived like that. In John 8, 29, he says, He that sent me is, is not, has not left me alone. He's with me. Because I always do what pleases him. You need to know that scripture. Let's read it. John chapter 8, verse 29. You need to know it. You need to see how Jesus lived and pleased God. John 8, 29. If you are there, I want us to read it together. One, two, go. And he that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. What's the meaning of always? What's the meaning of always? At all times. At all times. I do those things that are pleasing to him. If I'm your ogre and you are my servant and you want to always do what is pleasing to me, what shall be your character? You always come to me to find out what I want. It's a lifestyle. Always trying to find out what do you want me to do from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock. 
What do you want me to do from 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock? What do you want me to do from 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock? That thing which he wants you to do, doing that at that particular time, you are being a faithful steward of the Lord's time in your custody. I don't know whether we are living like that. Or we are just, you know, doing what we want. The way we want. Eh? When we feel like we read Bible. When we feel like we pray. When we feel like we go for evangelism. When we feel like. No. No. For you to be a faithful steward. You must make it a habit to find out from people. When I'm doing quiet time in the morning, I don't just do quiet time. Read Bible and meditate and go. I also try to pray to know what the Lord wanted to do for the day. That's why I have my diary by the side. As I'm meditating, he will be speaking also. He will remind you that you have not visited this man. You have not called this man. I keep writing down now because for him to bring it at that time, it means he wants it to be done today. You don't postpone or procrastinate what the Lord wants to be done today to tomorrow. That's a wastage of time. He wants it to be done today. It has to be done today. Jesus said, I must do the work of him that sent me while it is day. Night cometh when no man can walk. John 9 verse 4. I must. I must. You don't postpone it. You don't shift it. Do it today. Again, for us to be faithful stewards of the Lord's time, we must have understanding of times and seasons. Times and seasons. It's a popular scripture, but sometimes scripture can become too popular that we may, we may even lose the sense of what is there. So let's read it. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 to 11. Let's just read it. It's long, but we have to read it. I wish we can read it together. If you are there with me, let's go now. Want to go to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. One again for those of us that are joining us now. Want to go to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Two, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill. And a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to rent, and a time to sue, a time to keep silent, and a time to speak. Repeat it again. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. Take note of that. Eight. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. What profit has he that walketh in that which wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God has given to sons of men to be exercised in it. Eleven together. One to go. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Thank you. Understanding the times. Understanding the seasons. Ah. Understanding the, the, the time of your life. The seasons of your life. I remember some years ago, 
God was telling me, you need to read and study my word. And he was telling me that this is the season of it. In those days when we were on campus, people were trying to manifest, you know, here and there as man of God, woman of God, you know, any little opportunity you have on the pulpit or to lead prayer, you are just manifesting. And God said, go inside. Bend down and study my word. The days are coming. He did not tell me that once. Many, many times. The days are coming when you will not have this kind of time. When men will be needing your service for my name. And so you will not have this kind of elongated time you have now. Can you imagine the students during the holidays? Eh? You are not doing lecture. You are not doing any quiz or any text. And some of us, the next thing that comes to the heart of so many brothers is, now, nah, which kind of business are we going to do this or this? Are we going to allow you to go like that? Say, bend down. There is a season you are passing through. This is one of the problems that believers have been suffering. At the time you are supposed to sit down, like matter, eh? you will be serving. You will be running here and there. The problem of matter was that she, she doesn't have understanding of the times and seasons. This particular visit of the Lord is a visit that the Lord wants to reveal and unveil mysteries. So you need to sit down and listen and hear. Some of us, when you are supposed to sit down, meditate on the word of God, you are watching cloth, you are running around. The time the Holy Ghost wants you to, to, to bend down, you are interested in answering call and sending text messages and keeping him waiting. Times and seasons. Men of Issachar. 1 Corinthians chapter 32. 12 verse 32. Men of Issachar. If you read that particular chapter, what was happening in that chapter was that, you know, David was in the wilderness. And then... You know, people were coming from all the tribes. So they were mentioning a tribe of God. 18,000 people, soldiers have come. The other ones are not yet there. Then tribe of Judah, so many thousands. Tribe of this one, so many thousands. But when he came to tribe of Issachar, he said, all of them, they were at the command of their leaders. They didn't number them because everybody in the tribe of Issachar, they all came to David. Because they have understanding of the time. They know what Israel ought to do now. That every member of Israel is supposed to rally around David for David to become king. God has ordained it. Whether you like David or not, it's not a matter of liking David. It is time for heaven to establish David as a king. So you don't say, I don't like David. I don't like the way he's going about. Men of Issachar understood the time. They know that Israel ought to establish the will of God in making David the king now. So all of them aligned themselves. God said, as far as the earth remains, seed time and what? Harvest. Seed time and harvest. Do you understand the timing of your life? Eh? Some of us, as a single lady, do you understand what the time of singlehood means for you to prepare for the future ahead? And many of the, our single ladies, the, the only thing they are thinking in their mind is, where is that man? When is he going to propose to me? None of them is trying to do anything with their singlehood time. And then the brothers, many of them, they are, where is that money? As if money is everything you need. 
I've seen brothers with money. Miserable. Their marriage mess. But they have money. But they don't have joy. They don't have peace. Do you understand the time and seasons? In John chapter 7, the Bible said there was a feast of the tabernacles and the, you know, everybody was going to Jerusalem and then the brothers of Jesus came to him and said, why don't you go and show yourself to the people in Jerusalem? Why are you in this village? Go to Jerusalem because nobody will ever do this kind of miracle and remain in the village. Then in verse 6, he said to them, my time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. He knows the times and the seasons. The world cannot hate you, but me it hated because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up into this feet, I will not go up unto this feet, for my time is not yet fully come. In verse 1, look at verse 1 of chapter 7. He said, After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he will not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. Eh? So is he afraid of being killed? You don't understand. That's what we don't understand. That you can walk in jury anytime. Because you are more holy and more spiritual than Jesus. He knew that this time, I'm not supposed to cross Galilee. Galilee is a state. Judah is a state. Eh? Judea. So, he grew up, his own state is Galilee. That's where you have Capernaum and all of that. And then Nazareth. I guess Capernaum should be a local government. Then Nazareth and so on. Or maybe... But the point is that at this particular point, everything he has been doing has been revolving around Galilee. He has not moved to, you know, Asurok, Abuja. He's still there doing. And the, the, the brother was like, was like, why are you hiding here? Go. He said, my time has not come. The time to move this ministry to interstate, to international, has not come. He understands the times, the seasons. He said, the, the Bible knew, even himself he knew, that if he goes beyond, before the time, he will have problem. You know, sometimes people wonder, is it not God that called me? Is it not God that, and all of that. But the problem is that they miss the time. It's either you have, you know, gone ahead, or you have gone too slow. Guys, you know, the best thing that can happen to us is to walk in step with him. You cannot go ahead of him and succeed. And you cannot go behind him and succeed. Some of us are going behind him. Yes, some of us are behind. Where you are now is not where he wants you to be for so many reasons. And then some of us are ahead. But what will help us to be faithful stewards is to walk in steps with his time. To align. We call it divine alignment. Align yourself with God's time for your own life. We look at people too much. You compare. You say, this, this person, I started with him. Why is he here and I'm not here? No. Times differs. He told his brothers, you can go. Your own time has come. But me... My own time has not come. Can you imagine that? May God help us in Jesus' name. How else can we be faithful stewards of the Lord's time in our custody? We must learn to plan the use of time and follow it strictly. 
when you don't plan the use of your time with the Holy Ghost, when you don't try to determine from the Lord what he wants you to do with time, what he wants you to do today, and set time for it, the devil and the flesh will plan it for you. And they will, you, you, you will see yourself aligning yourself to their own plan. Eh? The Bible has made it that there is time for everything. There's time to go to bed. Some of us, we don't have time of going to bed. Today you will go to bed by 8.30. Tomorrow you go to bed by 9.30. No. You can never be faithful steward of the lost time. If you don't have a fixed time of going to bed. And working hard towards it. Fixed time of waking up. And work towards achieving that. There is time for everything. There is time for going to bed. There is time for waking up. There is time to talk. There is time to keep, stop talking. There is time of eating breakfast. Breakfast has time. There is time for eating lunch. Some of us, we eat breakfast today by 7 o'clock. Tomorrow you eat breakfast by 10 o'clock. We call it indiscipline. You can't, you know, manage time well if you, if you don't have fixed times. That's why we read that, that passage. I say, let's read it. Because we know it, but do we really understand what God is trying to tell us from that passage? He said, he has made everything beautiful in its time. When you eat breakfast, in breakfast time, breakfast will be beautiful. Because the Lord will make it beautiful. There is time to pray. There is time to meditate on the word of God. The Bible says pray without ceasing. That's true. But what that means is that our spirit, our soul must be aligned with the Holy Ghost. That communion will keep on going on. But that does not nullify the fact that there are fixed, fixed times of prayer. That you must say this time, the next two hours, the next four hours, I am spending it with God in intercession. There are times of reading for students. So several students are failures. Christian students, they fail. They don't do well because they don't have fixed times. They read their books. Eh? For businessmen, many of them are not accountable. They don't, they don't know how much entered this month and how much came out and how much is the gain. They cannot be accountable because they don't have time fixed for accounting. Every businessman that is serious, Christian businessman, you must have a time set apart in the day when you come back from business to balance the account of the day. Except you have an accountant you can rely on. Otherwise, if you are the accountant general of your own enterprise, you must bring out time. Either every day, if you are doing your own daily, or every week, if you can still remember. But you must know that that business is not your own. And for you to really be faithful in managing that, there must be time fixed for accounting. The reason why we are not doing exercise, eh? you know, last week God spoke to us about exercise, is because there is no fixed time of exercise. If we have fixed time of exercise now, and say, every 7.30 a.m., before I take my bath by 8 o'clock, which is time of my bath, yeah, taking bath, I'm, I'm, if you see that, you start walking towards that. Eh? There is time for everything. When a woman has no menu for her kitchen, then 
her, her time is not planned. Anything can take away her time. Even thinking about what to eat or cook will take, be taking some time. These are time you are supposed to use to fulfill God's purpose for your life. And it's being spent on thinking unnecessarily. There is time for everything. You must fix, even God, look at God. He has time that he does his things. So can't we follow him? Can't we copy him? There are times he has fixed, set it and said, this, from this time to this time, there should be rainy season. This time to this time, there should be dry season. This time, sun will come out. This time, moon will come out. He fixed time, you know, in their, in their various seasons. That's how we are supposed to live, to become like him. You cannot just be free like that, and then anytime you want, you do what you want. No, you cannot be faithful stewards that way. Another thing that will help us to, you know, be faithful stewards with respect to time is to maintain focus on the will of God and avoid distraction. What is a distraction? A distraction is anything or any human being that is demanding your attention outside the ordained will of God for your life at that time. Any man, anything, he can be watching a film, he can be playing Ludo, he can be playing card, he can be playing computer game, anything at all that is coming in at a particular time, you are supposed to be doing the will of God, and you are doing that that time. That thing is a distraction. It's going to stop you from engaging that time for what that time is meant for. Eh? You know one thing that happens to people that don't plan their time? When you don't plan your time and somebody comes to tell you a story, in your own time planning, there is nothing in that particular space. The, that space is free. So when somebody comes to tell you a story, you just see yourself relaxed and you are telling the story. But assuming that you have a plan, this particular time from 4 to 6, I'm supposed to be praying. Eh? I'm supposed to be praying. And then by 4 o'clock, somebody came, either by coming physically or by coming through calling, or through um, social media or text message. People are coming these ways. Eh, coming several ways these days. Eh? It is in the, in the olden days that people will always, always come physically. Now people can come through what? Phone call. Eh? And then you stop prayer. Or instead of you to pray, you start answering call. These are reasonable calls. You are supposed to start praying by four. Eh? And then a call came in. Four o'clock on the dot. But you are supposed to start praying by four. That call that is coming by four is a distraction. See, a distraction is anything that is coming in. So take away your time that you're supposed to spend in doing the will of God at any point in time. That's why in Matthew, in Matthew 6, 21, the Bible says we should have single eye. Say, if your eye is single, if you are focused, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is double, your whole body will be full of darkness. Philippians chapter 3. Another way of being faithful with time is Learn to forget the past and focus on the future. Philippians chapter 3. Look at verse 12. See what Paul is doing. One of the people that we are looking up to that fulfilled the purpose of God for his own life in his lifetime. He is worthy of studying and copying 
is an example God has brought to us. In verse 12 of Philippians 3, he said, Not as though I had already attained, either we are already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of, Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the price of the, of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Say, I'm not yet perfect, but I do one thing. I forget the past. Eh? Hey. A lot of time are wasted when people, instead of focusing on the assignment, they begin to focus on the achievement. Eh? The past can be an achievement, it can be a failure. Some people find it difficult to forgive themselves for the mistake they made in the past. Eh? They keep on saying, thinking about it. I wish I did not make this mistake. You have made the mistake now. I wish I did not do it like that. You have done it now. Paul said, I do not allow whether it is a past mistake or a past failure or a past success to clog me, to make itself the object of my thinking. I deliberately forget the past. I keep the past achievements behind me because I have not arrived yet. There are, there, there are so many assignments in the front. Ah, when you become contented because you have achieved something, what about those that you have not achieved? Don't let men evaluate you because men may not know what God has marked you out for. So they will be looking at you based on the success they are, they are seeing and they will be hailing you. They will be congratulating you. Eh? Maybe as a businessman at this level, you are now you know, a millionaire and it's coming out the way you are helping the, the, the work of God, helping the brethren. And people are saying, Kai, this brother has arrived. Eh? You, you may not know that if you begin to follow their praises, you may miss where God is taking you to. Eh? Forgetting the past. Forgiving yourself. Forgiving others. Deliberately forget. Focus on the future. When you focus on that which is ahead, your goal is to discover it. You keep on saying to the Lord, what is today for? What about next year? What about you are focusing to find out what the Lord wants you to do? That's one way to be a good steward. Because once you discover it, you give your thoughts to it. You give your attention to it. But when you are thinking on the past, ah, you are wasting your time. Amen. Then when you come to the issue of discipline, we met discipline again last, um, last week. In stewardship, you see this word discipline? You see this word diligence? They will keep on reoccurring. Eh? When we read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 with Living Bible last week, we saw where Paul was saying in verse 27, he said that I beat my body and make my body to do what 
it should, not what it wants. Eh? If we are going to be faithful stewards of the Lord's time in our custody, then we must be disciplined with time in several things that we are doing. Yes, we must be disciplined with time in sleeping. Many of us, we love sleep. And Proverbs 20 verse 13 says, He that loveth sleep shall end up in poverty. You don't know it. Read it. Proverbs 20 verse 13. Say, anybody that loves sleep, when you finish sleeping in the night, in the day, instead of you to go out and walk, you are still looking for opportunity to sleep. You will end up, there's a version that says you will end up in poverty. There's a particular version. That, that is to say, no matter what you are doing today, you may be being like this, and people are saying, where you will end? Your end is already determined. Any human being that loves sleep, says the Bible, do you love sleep? You will end up in spiritual poverty. You will end up in financial poverty. You will end up in academic poverty. You will end up in business poverty. We must be disciplined with sleep. We have said it before, to be disciplined with sleep is to have fixed time you are going to bed, fixed time you are waking up. And watch it. And see how God will help you to maintain that. We must be disciplined in speaking. And I think we need to spend some time here. Don't know how much time we have. But let's look at three verses from the book of Proverbs. book of Proverbs has so much to teach us on discipline and diligence. That book is written on those two Ds. Diligence and discipline. Proverbs 13 verse 3 said, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. If you are there with me now, let's read it together. One, two, go. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have what? Destruction. <laughs> let him that has ear hear. Let's also read Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27 and verse 28. Chapter 17, verse 27. One to go. He that had knowledge spirit his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Eh? You know why? When you keep your mouth, you will save your time. Most time is spent in talking. Eh? That's why sometimes you see people talking, talking, talking. After a while, I say, Hey! When is it six o'clock? I didn't know. Because before you finish talking, and then you will listen, and then you will talk, especially useless talks. And many of us, we don't know how to save people's time. We waste people's time and our own time when we are talking. You want to say something, you will not go straight to the point. You keep on going around the corner. Uh, this thing I want to tell you, is just that I have been looking for opportunity to, to tell you that since I met you, but I have not found an opportunity. But thank God who has provided this opportunity. But even before I start telling you, excuse me, brother. Say the thing now. Hey? What is the need of all this going to uh, market, coming back and all of that? 
wasting your time, wasting people's time. Look at Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue, keepeth his soul from what? From troubles. Eh? When you keep your mouth and keep your tongue, you will keep your soul from what? From troubles. And you will keep your time from being wasted. When our words are few, the Bible says, in the multitude, multitude of words, they are wanted not what? Sin. So, a lot of time can be saved in refusing to hear gossip. Can be saved in refusing to talk or gossip. Some of us, we spend a lot of time taking our bets. You know, you are spending such time because you think you are the owner. Eh? Some human beings take their bet in two minutes, some in five minutes. There are other human beings that take their bet in 30 minutes. What's the difference? 30 minutes minus 5 minutes is what? 25 minutes. When it accumulates over a period of time, you will get days and even years. Time wasted in, you know, lazy betting. What of dressing, especially women? You wear this one. You will look at the mirror. You look at your uh, style of her tie to know whether it match. You say, No, 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 no. The hair tie should remain. Let me change the cloth. You wear again, you change another one. You come back, you wear again, look. And then you go back again. The time you spend in dressing up and dressing down eh, is wasted. It's not your time. Can you, can you say to the Lord, Which cloth do you want me to wear? And get it from God. I'm not doing trial and error. Wasting time that should be used in other things. And again, some of us, you know, somebody said, and I believe, the time we spend in ironing clothes can be saved if you buy clothes that are wash and wear. Somebody can think in that direction. You don't need to iron it. Are there clothes like that? Eh? Very good. Discipline in eating, it came, it came up last week. Eating the right food and eating it in right quantity. How does it affect our time? When you don't eat well, when you are eating buns and Pepsi, eh? you have not eaten this morning. When you want to eat around 12, you take two rows of donuts with Pepsi. Today, tomorrow, you repeat the same thing. You will soon fall sick. And when you fall sick, several of your time will be wasted. When you overeat, you enter into trouble. We all have had the experience at one time or the other. Maybe when you are a child. I remember some days ago, I overeat when I was a, a, a child. I overate. And the thing was, they told me my stomach, I'm supposed to go to fellowship that time. Several years ago. And I know that I cannot go because the thing was, the, the problem for me that day was that I overate. 
some of us we need to exercise discipline in eating right food in right quantity drinking water sometimes some sickness is just because you are not drinking water well exercising we have talked about that we have to be disciplined about that because it can save us time that we would have spent if our health has problem due to lack of it one other thing that helps us not to waste time is personal organization organizing your books as a student so that you don't spend time looking for your books get file and put books for each course so that when you are looking for material for this particular course you don't start searching everywhere wasting your time know where you are keeping your things it will help you to go there and pick it and, and save your time than just you know scattering your cloth everywhere where you want to wear cloth you start searching for cloth search, searching for cloth Clothes are not arranged. Shoes are not arranged. And then we spend time searching for them. You know, because we don't keep them in a specific place. The same thing with, you know, when we have, you know, cabinet and files. This thing is for the purpose of organization. We are to be deliberate about them because it helps us to save time and manage them. Because sometimes if you don't have those things, you may carry a document and put somewhere. And then when you start looking for the receipt, you will search and search and search. Some of, us, some of us will say, Holy Ghost, help me. You know, it always helps to tell you where it is. But why must you even look for it in the first place? If you have personally organized yourself. We also need to be disciplined in relationships. So many of us are, are not disciplined. You know, Proverbs 13 verse 20 says, He that walks with the wise shall be wise. Eh? And 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 says that... Evil communication corrupts good man. So, what of good communication? What will he do? It has to build good man. If you are interested in, you know, using the time of the Lord for, for what he wants it for, and saving it, not wasting it, then you must be careful of relationships we build. Or you build, because... There are some relationships that are not necessary. Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but not everything is expedient. All things are lawful, but I will not be enslaved by anything. If, you know, some of us, you are just helpless, you can't say no. And so, because you can't say no, you keep on allowing unnecessary friendship and relationship that are taking your time, that is taking you nowhere. If you have a master goal, what God has shown you that he wants to use you to accomplish in your lifetime, then any of your relationship must be built towards that. If anybody is not contributing towards that goal, that person is not worthy of being a friend or relating with that person. Some people do trial and error. You will enter into you know, what you call relationships. And then after two years, you will break it. Is a waste of time. It's a waste of emotion. It's, you know, and so we say, ah, he has broken my heart. And for days and for months, you are trying to recover. But you are the one that carelessly entered into it. A lot of time are wasted in relationship, especially among the youths. Among the young people, you will not pray to know whether this is the will of God for your life in marriage 
And you say, let us start with the relationship first. For what? Let us begin to know ourselves. To know whether it's going to work. This is exactly what unbelievers do. And you are wasting your time. The time that you are supposed to serve the Lord in holiness and righteousness in a relationship that has no name. And at the end of some you know, weeks and months and years, you will discover fault in the person. The person will discover fault in you. You will break. You start looking for the next person to relate with. No. Don't waste your time. What else are we going to do as faithful stewards of the Lord's time in our custody? We must work extremely hard. Eh? Diligent hard hands make it a man rich. Proverbs 10 verse 4. Diligent hands make it a man to be rich. Let's read it. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 4. Want to go? He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. What did I say before? What did I say before? Did I say that diligent hand maketh a man poor? Diligent hand maketh a man what? Rich. But he that has a slack hand. Eh? There are some of us, you know, we have become, you know, too lazy that we don't even know that we are lazy again. That's the truth. You can become so lazy that even when you have done some small work, you just be praising yourself. I say, hey, I, I am trying, you know, look at so much big work I've done. There's nobody in anywhere that have done this kind of work. You just be, <laughs> be praising yourself. Because your laziness has brought you and then you have your own standard to measure yourself. No. I always define hard work as a work that is hard on you. You have to keep doing it until the thing becomes hard on you. That's when you know that you are doing hard work. And the reward of hard work is more work. One day the Lord said to me, when I am uh, tired and I wanted to rest, He said that you are tired does not mean that you should rest. Rest is for those that are exhausted. A tired person still has strength in him to walk. Eh? Our God walked for six days before he rested on the seventh day. So, when we walk hard, we save a lot of time. A walk we are supposed to do in two hours. Eh? Then you spend four hours doing it. Sometimes when a lazy man touches a walk, you have to do it the second time. And you that is doing it the second time, it will be better for you that the lazy man did not do it the first time. Eh? Because he will not do it well. He will scatter it. You will now have to come back and arrange it so that you can start afresh. A lot of times are wasted. Listen, diligence and discipline, you know, it, the way these things are, they don't look spiritual. What I mean is that an unbelieving student that is disciplined and diligent will be coming first in the class. And you that is speaking in tongues everywhere and preaching and, you know, who is not disciplined and diligent will be coming last. It's a law. Discipline is a law. Diligence is a law. We are not permitted to hide our laziness under prayer or under tonguing or under uh, chanting. Eh? Some of us, once you finish chanting and tonguing and all of that, you, 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 
go into laziness and you will leave what you are supposed to do in your business you will lock your chop eh? not because the Lord asks you to do that but because you are just you know doing what you feel good doing it's not by our feeling it's by following the will of the Lord for us at every point in time see it a man diligent in his works see it a man have you seen a man that is diligent in his work eh? it's a matter of time he's going to stand before kings I mean it's a matter of time if this man is diligent in his works in a time frame he will stand to do that work before kings before kings you know why and how the, the why and how is that as he keep on doing that the work will keep on speaking as the work keep on speaking it will continue to speak until it will get to the ear and the eyes of the kings and the kings will start making their demands and their requests eh? see it a man he didn't say see it a deliver these are principles that concerns everybody Amen. Another way of being a good steward of the lost time in our course study is by doing the word of God, practicing the word of God that we are hearing. Practicing the word of God. You know, when, when I was preparing this message, I had a concern as God was speaking to my heart. I had a concern. I said, Some of us we have known these things before, some of us we have heard these things before. We spent three months talking on faith. Spent almost another three months talking on love. And then we are now on stewardship. How many of us are practicing the word of God that we have heard? You are diligent to go back and ensure that these things are practiced. You know what the Bible said in James 1.22? It said, be you doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. What is the meaning of that? When a man is not doing the word of God, that man is deceiving himself. So it's like a man that will go to the mirror, look at himself, he move out of the mirror, and he will forget the kind of person he is in a moment. Say that he that looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continuing therein, eh? not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word of God. Say, that man shall be blessed. That man shall be blessed in everything that he does. Amen. So, when we fail to do the word of God, or maybe God asks you to do something, and you, don't, you are not doing it like Herod, God, John the Baptist will say, take this woman away to her husband. You will not do it. You will be doing other things. Many things. Hearing the word of God again. That's what we do. We hear again and again. But the ones we have heard, we are not doing. Excuse me, you are not making progress. You are not moving forward. Spiritually, you are, not, you are moving, but you know there are, there are two types of movement. You can be moving cyclic, you know, movement in one place. You are not moving, you are not covering distance with time. For you to cover distance with time, that thing that God say, don't do this or do this, you must, you must put yourself to work, to do the word of God. When you hear the word of God, Practice it. Eh? As a preacher, whatever I preach, I say, God, help me to practice what I preach. How can I be preaching 
something and be doing another thing. How can I hear the word of God and I know that this is what God is asking me to do and I will not be diligent enough to do it. You are not progressing. You are wasting time. And before you know it, where you are supposed to be in life, to fulfill the purpose of God in your lifetime, you will not be there. And that will make you to be an unfaithful steward of the Lord's time. What else do we need if we are going to be faithful stewards of the Lord's time? We must also understand the spiritual aspect of this. These things have spiritual aspects and I want to talk about three of them quickly. Number one is you must obtain mercy. Hebrews 4.16 said, let us come to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. Eh? Romans 9, 15 to 16 said that God said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Say, so then, it is not of he that wills, nor of he that runs, but of God that showeth mercy. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11, you need to read it. Open to that quickly. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11, he said, I returned. And I saw under the heaven that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise. He said, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. For time and chance happened, happened to them all. I want to read that with Living Bible 9 11. Again, I looked throughout the earth and, I, and saw that the swiftest person does not always win the race, nor the strongest man the battle, <laughs> and that wise men are often poor, and skillful men are not necessarily famous. But it is all by chance, by happening to be at the right place at the right time. By happening to be at the right place at the right time. What is it, is it that brings a man to the right place at the right time? That's what we call mercy. Eh? Mercy. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And before you think that the mercy of God is by, you know, guessing. Maybe when God just guess, you just show mercy to somebody. You need to read Psalm 103. When you read Psalm 103, you will see that the mercy of God has some specific elements. There are people that God shows mercy. He stated it clear. Look at it in verse 17, Psalm 103. May look at verse 11 and then verse 17. He said, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that does what? That fear him. The mercy of God is not towards everybody. If you want to get God's mercy to keep you at the right place at the right time, you must be a man that fears the Lord. Eh? Verse 17 said, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness upon children's children 
The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Is the mercy that will bring you to the right place at the right time. And that is what will make you to really maximize the opportunities and the time you have for where God wants you to be. So we need to learn to fear God and also to seek God for grace and for mercy. Again, Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 told us that we should not worry about anything but instead pray about everything. Philippians chapter 4 if you look at verse 6 he said be careful for nothing. Living Bible will say do not worry about anything but instead pray about everything. We need to Convert worry time to prayer time. Instead of you to be awake in the night, worrying yourself, you know, thinking about so many things. You know, some of us you say, I, I, I don't I, I don't sleep when I lie down to sleep, I find it difficult to sleep. Most times it's because of what you are worrying about. Eh? If you can turn that worry and say, God, I will never worry. I am going to pray. This time is for prayer. Some years ago, I had an experience. You know, I had a very serious need then. And um, I was <laughs> waiting for, several years ago, waiting for salary to come. And when salary came, it was half. You are not expecting half. It was half. And when the thing came, I started worrying. I know I was worrying, but I don't know how to stop worrying. I was thinking about, you know, how am I going to, you know, manage this month with half salary? You think about what you're supposed to do. Think about this. You know, I don't live the life of borrowing. I don't, I don't, I don't, by God's grace. I don't. I depend on God to provide for me. So I was like worrying, worrying. And I was in seven days set apart then. This thing happened around the third day. Wanted to shock up my, you know, seven days set apart. Drinking only water. And I was like, at a time, I said, this program will end if I don't do something about this. You know what I do? I said to God, I want us to reach agreement now. I, I will stop worrying about this. And I will hand it over to you. Agreed. Agreed. Then I say, Lord, I am carrying this matter now into your hand. First Peter 5 verse 7. Casting your cares. Present continuous tasks. Because cares will never end. Casting your cares. Casting. Casting. Casting your cares upon the Lord. For he cared for you. As I'm going to cast this one now on you. Some of us, we don't know that it's not only the ones you cast. Casting your cares. When worry comes, what do you do to worry? You cast worry out. You don't... You are, See, demons are cast out by force. Because demons are spiritual forces. So you cannot cast them out without spiritual higher force. Do you understand that? So, worry is a kind of demon. That's why the Bible says, cast your cares. You have to cast it. 
on the Lord because he cares for you. So I say, Lord, please, I hand this matter over to you. I want you to watch me, Lord, as I sleep now. Just watch me now. I'm sleeping now. And that was how I slept. Try it. And honestly, I, I just slept. I found myself in the morning. And then in the morning, he began to speak to me about what I was worrying in the night. Casting your cares. A lot of time is wasted on worry. Worrying about your children's school fees, worrying about your own school fees, worrying about your accommodation fee, worrying about, you know, so many things you worry about. is a waste of time. The Bible says, do not worry about anything. Pray about everything. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall do what? Keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Your heart and your mind need to be kept. Guarded. How does it happen? Look at verse 8. Say, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. If there is any virtue, moral excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Stop thinking on negative things. Stop thinking on negative dreams. Stop thinking on negative thoughts. Think what is pure. What is lovely? What is of good report? What is of virtue? What is of true? What is honest? And you may say, I want to think like that. But you must also, you know, watch how you are feeding your mind. What you are watching. What you are watching. What you are hearing. Determines what you are thinking. If you want to think what is uh, excellent, you must, whatever you are looking at must be excellent. Whatever you are hearing must be excellent. If you want to think about what is true, then you must not subject your eyes and your ear to what is lie. Because once what is lie enters, you can't think what is true. If you want to think about what is righteous, what is righteous, you should not watch unrighteous people acting film and movie. Because whatever you are going to watch, as you are watching them, the unrighteous spirit and unrighteous actions will enter into your heart. You start thinking evil. Whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is of good report, good report, not evil report, not gossip. How that man of God, how that woman of God fell, how this one happened. Good report is what you should be hearing so that you'll be thinking it. Our ears are itching for bad reports. May God deliver somebody's ear this evening in the name of Jesus Christ. And then finally, resist the devil in your spiritual and physical environment. That's one way to save your time. This one is, I, I, I want us to pay serious attention to this matter. Because when you read James chapter 4, James chapter 4 verse 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he said, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Seven, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We must take charge of our spiritual environment. The Bible says that Lord, the Lord God put the man in the garden of Eden to dress and to keep it. Listen, the first man was a steward. Put in the garden to manage the garden. 
To dress and to keep it. To keep is a security work. To dress is a work on the garden. To keep is a security work. You, you, you have to be a watchman. Adam failed in that work. That was how the devil entered and met his wife. The devil found his way into the garden because the keeper of the garden was asleep or doing something else. The Bible says, let us not sleep because we are not of the night. We are of the day. We must be watched. We must be sober. We must be watchful. If you read this, the sister scripture to this in 1 Peter chapter 5, he said, be sober, verse 8. 1 Peter 5, verse 8, says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, Walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. That is standing on your faith. Resist him. Fight him. Devil does not hear plea. When you see the devil in your physical environment. Resist him. Tell him that you, you have no portion here. Eh? If I see sickness in the body of my child. I say no. You can't, you can't be here. God gave me this child to watch over this child. Devil, get out! You see, you know the devil. You know that the devil is around, not because you saw him physical, but when his walk is around, you know. Eh? I don't want to talk about the devil coming to my body to give me a symptom. I will, I will tear him. This body was given to me by the Lord as a steward to watch over, and you want to bring headache to it? No, resist the devil. You are in charge. Whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever you lose on earth is losing heaven. Whatsoever you allow in your tight on earth is allowing heaven. You are a steward in the body of your children. If that child becomes sick and you allow it, eh, you will spend your time in the hospital. This is a time you are supposed to spend reading the Bible, praying. You will be spending it in the hospital. Hold that tight and resist the devil. Cast him out. Tell him that this child, you, you have no right to, to torment this child. This child is under my care. We have to be aggressive. The Bible did not say we should negotiate with the devil. Eh? The Bible did not say we should plead with the devil. Resist. Do you know the meaning of resist? Fight! When you are fighting, you must be provoked. You can never see two people fighting that are not provoked. Two of us. How can you be, you know, you see sickness and you are, you are doing it like this. Hey, I don't know. Is it paracetamol? Or uh, fever? The other one. As, as it through my sin. And um, you know, I'm was delayed. And you are checking the one. Some of us have become doc doctors in our houses. Chemists. You all know the name of all the drugs. And we, we spent days what we should have handled immediately. Excuse me, when you see the devil coming around your academies, around your, your, your finance, around you, the things that your physical life, your prayer life, rise up and resist the devil. And you will flee. Why will you be there and the devil will be wasting your time? He come to engage you and waste your days and you will allow it. No, I don't. Resist the devil. We are stewards. We are managers. Our Father has given us the power to do that. Don't call God. God say, resist the devil. Don't call him. 
he has given you the authority to do that. He said, whatever you bind on earth, he will bind it in heaven. So you are not, you are, he's not the one that will start the work. You are, you are to start the binding, the allowing on earth before heaven will join. Stop saying, oh heaven, bind. No, it doesn't work like that. You bind the devil. Cast him out of your environment. Whether physical environment or, spirit, or spiritual. And then you will save your time. Eh? It's amazing how we allow sickness, allow problems, worry, financial. When depth is coming to your life and you know you are doing what you are supposed to do, resist the devil. Don't let, let the devil judge you. Don't let the devil judge you. He will tell you that you are not giving. You are not, we know, but is he the one that should do that? Is he the one that should do that? Some of you, when you are entering into financial difficulty, then the devil will come and tell you it's because you are not doing this one. You are not doing Tell him you are not my judge. Get away from here. God is my judge and he will have mercy on me. Because how will, how will you come out of that to be able to do that? For you to now, he will now judge you and you will die there. No! Don't allow it. Rise up. Say to the devil, you are not my judge. My judge is a merciful God too. He will forgive me and I, I, I will bounce back. Don't get into this self-pity, you know, depression. Some, some has committed suicide. Somebody was telling me that he was thinking suicide. No! How can you be thinking suicide? Because you, are, you find yourself in a failure. Resist that voice, that accusation voice. Resist it. Say to the devil, you can't accuse me. Yes, I have an intercessor before God. He intercedes for me even now. I, I reject your accusation. I take his intercession. We must watch over this. We must be sober and be vigilant. Otherwise, your time will be taken away by the devil. Rise on your feet and aggressively pray. Start from the last point. Any devil around your physical environment, around your spiritual environment, it's time to resist the devil. It's time to resist him. And never you allow that anymore. Whether sickness or weakness, in that weakness, he arises up from there and say, No. It can't happen. I'm a child of God. I say to the devil, I'm a servant of the living God. And God said, when I serve him, you will take sickness away from me. No! You can't accuse me. You are not my judge. I have a judge. Any devil anywhere in your family life, in your marital life, that is wasting your time, you, you and your husband or you and your wife, you are wasting time quarreling and talking. Resist the devil from today. Resist the devil that is crumbling your business, putting you into, into worry and pity. Say no. Resist the devil that is stopping and delaying your marriage your work for the Lord. Say no! You cannot manipulate my destiny anymore. The Bible says that 
that Jesus has disarmed the principalities and powers. He has disarmed the principalities and powers. He has disarmed the principalities and powers. Shout, I am a servant of God. I serve the living God. Satan, you have no power over me. You have no right to manipulate my, my destiny. To manipulate my health. You have no right. You haven't, you, you haven't no right. Maluma Sukayemo Shaka. Sima Mamama. Rumo Kabula Basirima. Shaka Kaka Kaka Kaka. Lebo Suma Kula Rabasirimo. Mahanda Lababa.
Forget the past. Forgive yourself. Forgive your mistakes. Forget the past. Forget it. Forget the achievements of the past. Concentrate on the assignments. Concentrate on the assignments. What is ahead is greater. No distraction. No distraction from now. No distraction from now. I am getting focused on the will of God. I will not use my time to commit sin. I will not make provision for the flesh. I will be walking in the spirit. Feeling the spirit. I am walking in the spirit. I will, I will understand the times of seasons. The seasons of my life, I will not play with it. Lebo shanda lava sondo lava sanda. Lebo sondo lava sanda. Langa lava sondo lava sanda. Lebo sondo lava sanda lava sanda. Take my moment of my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my moment of my days. Take my moment of my days. Take my moment of my days.
Say, Lord, I'm sorry for the ways I've wasted your time. In all the ways I have used your time wrongly. In all the ways I've committed, used your time to commit sin. I'm supposed to serve you all the days of my life from the time you delivered me from the hands of the enemies in holiness and righteousness, but I have failed you several times. Lord, I'm sorry. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord. Have mercy on me from today. I, I, I wouldn't like to waste your time again. I wouldn't like to be an unfaithful steward of your time. Grant me that capacity, that grace to practice what you have taught me in this particular moment of encounter teaching this evening. Hold me, Lord. Keep me, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I see the blood of Jesus flowing towards someone, watching away your sins, cleansing you from all righteousness, delivering you from the power of sin, liberating you as you are taking a stand today, never to give the flesh a chance anymore. Separate yourself from watching things of the flesh, hearing things of the flesh. Concentrate on the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father. Oh, oh. 
way. Oh Lord, I pray. Anointing. Your 
Thank you for listening. We trust you are blessed by God's word. This message and many more can be downloaded from our website www.calvaryonline.org. For testimonies, counseling, and prayers, you can send an email to calvaryrevivallabels at gmail.com or call 080 6560 could also follow us on all our social media platforms at Calvary Way Revival Level.